0: so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, you leader. Welcome to the show and another guest episode of it. And before you introduce the guest, I want to remind you, during January, share your learnings, your takeaways, your favorite episode on social media with your audiences and enter the draw to win a 100 euro gift card. I said by default it's Amazon, but I will really try to find a local business of the place where the winner will be to support the local business to give more personal gift, but it will be a 100 euro gift card from somewhere. <laughs> so please share about uh, this show during this month of the birthday of uh, Genius Leadership and let's uh, keep rolling with this journey together. So, regarding my guest, Today you will hear my conversation with Stoyan Yankov, who is the professional speaker, author of the book Perform, The Unsected Truth About Startup Success, and a host of the Productivity Mastery Podcast. Stoyan has worked with over 550 companies in more than 35 countries, helping them to improve their productivity and workplace culture. And I wanted this conversation to be about his book Perform, just picking some of the things from the startup journey that I and him uh, observe being the challenges, but then We started with Stoyan's background and we actually stayed there in a way. And it's not about just putting Stoyan on a pedestal and having an hour conversation about him, he himself and him. But I just realized how many learnings there were in his journey and how relatable so many parts of it can be to so many of you. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you really take things in because we're talking about fascinating things how small deeds can really alter the whole direction of your life and how you need to be receptive to taking the those small nuggets from the others to actually alter your life journey to the better we're talking about the challenges that Stein faced in his first business how the co-founder dynamic is important for your well-being for the business success and uh, his journey when doing his best was still not enough and what he did with that. We're talking about getting out of your way when you have ideas, but are shying away from implementing them, bringing them to life. And that's usually because of the fear of what will others think. Stoyan providing a beautiful mind shift about that. And he actually catches me (laughs) I'm not following that one uh, later, later in the journey. So listen to that part as well. And what I also enjoyed is this discussion about what is the line between delusion and resilience. So when you are on the way towards your dream, when you feel like you are on the right path, you just need to stay in it a bit longer. What is this one thing that differentiates or decides whether you're delusional there or whether you're resilient? And also we're talking about the choices, you know, how waking up. Ne- grumpy is natural for all of us. Sometimes it happens, but staying there is a choice. And I want you to listen to that part and think where am I making the choice that is not serving me? And how do I want to change that? So enjoy this conversation and see you on the other side. Stoyan, my man, welcome to the Genius Edition podcast. Finally, it's happening.
1: Finally, finally, Anna. So happy to be here.
0: I'm so happy to have you, and I'm so sorry. It took so long. <laughs> I was just figuring out how how to present you to my audience and uh, collect all things that you do in the best way to uh, to bring it to the show. So now we have an idea for that, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
1: Well, let's see i'm'm I'm, I'm curious now.
0: Yeah, you're curious. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's good. That's a good start. So Stoyan, a lot of people know you as the perform coach, so performance. Uh you're helping startups and scale ups with uh getting going in a good way and and being productive and effective and efficient, but there is a big story behind the framework that you've created right and a personal story that you just told me that perform was created out of pain in a way and a necessity so I would like to go through that background a bit of what what was happening with you before you became who you are right now so what what was that? journey to the performance?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I guess the, the, the beginning of the journey would be when I was a student. Uh, the, f- the first year of being a bachelor's student, uh, I was studying in Bulgaria, in Varna, and one of my, one of my colleagues' classmates uh, came to me and gave me one of these personal development books. And I never read a book in my life except the school books that I was supposed to. And, and now he gave me this book. And now you're going to laugh, but it was one of these cliche personal development books called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, you know, with Robin Sharma. Yeah. But for me at that age, that was like the whole new world being open in front of my eyes. It was like, wow, there's so much more to life if you start changing your mindset and, and your worldview. So I became an avid reader and from a reader, I became a seminar goer and courses goer and, and, you know, when you get into the journey of personal development, it's just one door opens another and, and you start meeting people and join workshops and courses and, and uh, it's a never-ending journey. So that's probably been the, the beginning of this fascination with uh, leadership, with personal development. And, and then I, I graduated. I'll
0: pause as... you here. So interesting. This little moment. You've never read a book apart from what you were told to read. Through the school program. So two questions here. First of all, why is this classmate or or groupmate of yours coming to you and giving you this book? What did that person see or feel why they felt like sharing that book with you? And secondly, given your background of not having a habit of reading books, why did you actually open that book and started reading?
1: Uh, Great questions. So the first answer is not as cool as people would want to hear. (laughs) Basically, I think he was part of a a multi-level marketing company. Mm. And that was the way to kind of get people into this more positive mindset. Like it was everybody from this company was reading these kind of books. So I think for him was more like, maybe he saw I'm this kind of more positive full of energy person. And he was like, man, you got, you got to read this book. And I'm like, man, I've only read a few books in my life because of school. Why should I read books? And then he said, trust me, just read 10 pages. So that, that was the, that was the pitch. That was the, the, Mm. the, he sold me on the only read 10 pages. And then we talk about it. So, you know, I've read 10 pages and then I read 10 more and then I finished the book. And then I bought a few more books from the same author And, and then the story goes on and on and on.
0: So interesting. I just wanted to pause on that because those things are life changing, right? For you opening up the whole world of personal development and understanding how much more you can do with your life and so on could, have started with this <laughs> multi-level <laughs> marketing pitch in a way, and then how a person managed to get you on the journey with this. Just read ten pages. So I just want to emphasize or po- pause on this with genius-, genius leaders because this is a a brilliant example of how your small deeds can actually change someone's life. And might you might not necessarily know it that that has been so pivotal and, and crucial and important for the person, but. I just want to encourage you to think that way. A small thing from you, small encouragement, a compliment, a comment, feedback, suggestion, sharing your learning with someone can really be a life-changing experience for someone. So please, please, please do those things. Small things, daily basis, on a weekly basis, whatever feels comfortable for you in your life, but please do. So sorry. Yeah. What happened then? Like you started going on the personal journey, a personal development journey, but at the same time you were studying finance, at the same time you were doing some video, um, production. So tell us about how those three worlds were coexisting.
1: I was a party beast, Anna.
0: Like, I imagine.
1: <laughs> like, any, any college student, I'll, I'll party like, uh, I don't know, maybe five times a week you know partying going places socializing going to have coffee with people every time i can playing sports i play for the football team of the school like just living the life you know but but i started reading these kind of books and and i've always been a very ambitious person since i was a little kid and and i guess that gave me this inspiration to to get going and and i was ambitious about my career so it worked really well with the whole personal development angle and, uh, and then I did a couple of uh, these summer brigades, as we call them in Eastern Europe, work and travel programs in the United mm. States, uh, in Massachusetts, which opened my horizons entirely to the world and what the opportunities ahead of me could be. So, so it also planted the seed. I don't want to stay in my country, at least for now. I just want to explore. So what could be the natural next step? I, I can do a master's degree. Oh, wait a second. My country, Bulgaria is in European Union. I can freely apply for university. And, and in some countries, actually, there's no fees for master students. Amazing. Cool. Here's a plan. I'm coming back from the US and then I'll study a lot and I will become a master's student in one of these countries. That's what happened. Applied for many universities. Got, got uh, submitted to Danish university called the uh, Aarhus School of Business. I wanted to study finance. And there was another pivotal moment on my personal development journey. I got a injury. I was playing football and, and then I got injured and I couldn't, I couldn't really walk so well. And, and I couldn't play football for sure. I could walk, but, but I was limping a little bit and I, I couldn't play football. And, and I went to many doctors and they said, it's going to heal, but it might take a few years. Just, just be patient, but you can't play football. I can play football. I'm playing football five times a week, man. Uh, what do I do? So so my mom saw my struggle, right? And she signed me up for a self-healing course without mm. asking me. he will sign me up. And I'm like, mom, self-healing? Come on. What is that? I mean, I already paid. This is a book you have to read. and And then it's, okay, when is it? It's 10 days, four hours a day. Four hours a day for ten days. What am I like? She's like, okay, go for the first day. I think that's how I get sold. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's a pattern, right? <laughs> just do the
0: first day. <laughs> now I know if I need to sell anything to Stoyan ever, <laughs> I know the approach to do that.
1: <laughs> there you go. So 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 I went to the th- to the first day and and I was one of these courses that you just. They just enter the course, and there's a bunch of people that probably somebody else signed them up because they don't know what they're doing there. <laughs> and, and they ask you to, to stay in a power pose, and you have to stay like that during the whole four hours every day, and you got to put on a wow. smile. So you put a smile <laughs> and you stay like this. And if you drop your smile, the teacher will say, "Hey, what, where's your smile?" And you have to smile. And you're like, "What is this? <laughs> Where am I?" <laughs> so, but but the end of the first day, it's like actually feeling better, you know. It's, 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 it's some good stuff, right? So, so they ask you to visualize, to to meditate, to write your goals, to share with uh, some people your struggles, and it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. So, I commit it. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do the course. And after these ten days, it's like, wow! I'm so powerful. This is amazing. You know, <laughs> I can do anything, right? Another such moment, and I think that was that was the pivotal moment in which I stopped partying, I stopped drinking. I started waking up five in the morning, you know, drinking my fresh juice and, and exercising and, and just studying, doing my English exam tests and so on. And yeah, pe- people couldn't recognize me. like, "What's happened with you? Are you okay?" <laughs> like, well, "What is going mm-hmm. on?" So long story short, I graduated, had a great summer, actually spending it pretty much on the beach, just enjoying life before my master's degree. And then I moved to Denmark, studying finance. And um, the whole movie thing came into the picture because I I did these acting classes. I used to I used to be a super amateur actor in high school. <laughs> you know, like we had this high school troupe, group of people that are doing some sketches and, and acting, and and it continued during uh, my college years. I found this uh, amateur school for for acting, so every weekend, I'll go there with a bunch of other people, and we will. Uh, you know just rehearse different scenes and rehearse for different you know the the acting kind of thing and it was a lot of yeah. fun we have a bunch of fun and i once told the guys hey guys let's let's do a little video i have this camera i bought from the us and then we started making videos first for fun uh, and then hey let's do this music video hey let's do this other thing and people will start seeing me posting these things and hey Stoyan, do you want to do this thing and do this thing and and so on. So I started building some portfolio, learning about the business. Uh, I moved to Denmark and while I was doing my master degree in finance, I would spend my, all my free time making videos. Making videos, making movies, learning to be a better director, learning to be a better producer. And I'm a community builder. You know me. I, I love to bring people oh, yeah. together. So so I I started organizing a film challenge or a film festival with the challenge element. Uh, it's called the Ojo Film Challenge. And the idea was Everybody who joins have uh, seven days to produce a five minute long film based on some creative limitations, like the topic mm-hmm. of the movie and, and a line of dialogue, for example. And then we have an awards scholar, We have a lot of film people there. There's a lot of networking and community. So I've been doing that for five years. Ever since we started, thousands of people from around the world joined the, the competition and I made a great network in the movie industry right? Because you approach people, the best directors and producers. Hey, do you want to be a mentor? Do you want to be a jury? We have all this talent here. You can come and meet. And, and and so I started volunteering. Hey, I saw you guys are shooting this movie. Can I come and do whatever I can? Like I can make salads and the coffee and whatever. It doesn't matter. I just want to be there and learn. And I started asking all these people for, for coffee and for, for lunch and joining their productions and just seeing how they do the work which is my recommendation for everybody listening, especially the young leaders. If you, if you want to grow and accelerate your career growth, go around the people that are already there and offer your help, especially the young ones. You know, this is the best education. You want to be a photographer? Okay, amazing. Who is the best photographer in town? Just go and say, hey, what can I do for you? I want to... I want hold the reflector. <laughs> yeah, hold the reflector, make coffee, do whatever. Just be around these people. Mm-hmm. You're going to grow like crazy. So yeah, that's what I did. I've been around these people. And and when you're around these people, they're like, you are so good in time management and organization and understanding the business. How about you become a coordinator of the production? Oh, do you want to be a producer of this short film we're making? Hey, we have this other production. Can you do this and that? And you, you kind of start growing and building the name and building trust. Mm-hmm. So I ended up... Uh, landing a job as a director, as a producer. he was one of the companies that joined my short film challenge. So, so they saw me, we had a couple of conversations with them, and then they invited me to join their office space. Hey, Stoyan, mm-hmm. we have a free table. If you want, you can come. You don't have to pay anything, but we know that you know a lot of people. We sometimes need people. Okay, cool. So I joined it, and then two, two weeks later, I was w- working for them. But, but again, it was like, hey, guys, I don't have a job now. I'm on the job market. How about I volunteer a few weeks? And if it doesn't work, it's fine. I'll learn something. But if it works, maybe you can hire me. All right, cool stuff. So they, they got me for a few weeks. And then we shake hands. I started working for this video production company. Crazy times, crazy adventures. It was amazing. Learning like crazy. And then several months later, the person that... that the manager, the, the the owner of the small video production company, really really cool dude. I learned so much from this guy. He wasn't so structured and organized, so he ran out of funds, and and we had to split ways. He couldn't keep me pretty much, and mm. for me that was a huge. It was like I found my dream job at the time, and they don't want to keep me. They don't like all this kind of a. I'm a failure. Like I thought I got fired, I didn't really get fired. It just there was no funds. There was no no money for my salary, but I've. It was a big shock for me because I, I thought I made it and, mm. and, and I didn't, obviously. And so what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm back on the back job market. Should I go for this coaching and leadership thing or, or should, I, should I continue on the journey with uh, being a filmmaker? So I had this couple of months just trying things out, talking to people. And, and there was one animation producer that uh, he he had a cup of, uh, cup of coffee with me. And after another cup of coffee, we, we started talking about maybe we can do this side thing, you know, just, just start making videos together as a side thing. And, uh, this side thing turned into a full time thing. We, we started a company together, a video production company. He was exceptional animator. He was really good in sales, in, in, in some strategy and different processes. So I, I would learn a lot from him, but, but this is where the kind of struggle started as well. Um, on the one side, it was the most exciting journey ever. My first company, more serious company that I started, all this entrepreneurial vibe. You can do whatever you want. You can try whatever you want. You can you can build things your way. You don't have a boss, right, to tell you what to do. And then on the other side, it was the, the, the challenges that I didn't know, right? Because you read all these books about personal development and tell you, cut the rope. If you want to succeed, you got to cut the rope. So I cut out my unemployment funds, right? Mm-hmm. Great idea. Cut out your unemployment Enough. funds when you have no income. Yeah. Because then I have to go and find clients. Okay, don't do that, guys. That's uh, the. not smart. You know, I wish I, I didn't, but I did. Even the unemployment people were like, what are you doing? Like, nobody does that, right? Like, just be quiet about your company and keep receiving funds, right? But no, I, I cut the I cut the rope and I started, uh, I, I went all in on the video production. The challenge was, I never knew that you have to have some real conversations with your co-founder. Like nobody told me in the business school, like we detail your processes and finance and accounting, these kind of things, but they don't teach you the people side of the business. What
0: are really? your expectations? Not at all. Nothing That's in cool. the education.
1: Whoa. Not at all. No, no, no. My business school was about you know, corporate finance and mm. you okay. know, accounting predicting returns, econometrics, like very practical, technical things, but not really the leadership side of things. It's like, hey, when you're starting a company, maybe you want to talk to your co-founder. First of all, get to know them well, work with them, maybe a few projects to to see if you're on the same page, but also what do they want to do? Where do they want to be? What, What is the vision? For the company in their eyes, and, and is the vision the same as it is in your eyes, right? Like are you on the same page of where are you going? What's the vision? Why do you do what you do? And, and, and most importantly, do you have the same philosophies about life, the same values? When you the way you're doing business, is it the same? Can you relate? Mm-hmm. Can you resonate? I, I didn't know. Nobody taught me. So we we just jumped into this exciting journey. Started making a few really, really cool productions with, uh, we already knew so many people in town, so we can leverage the, the creatives in town and, and put together some really nice teams. And, uh, for every production, this is the movie industry, right? Like every production, you got to build a new team. Mm-hmm. So I'll,
0: I'll pause you here, Stein, before you go into the, that, uh, going back to the co-founder dynamic or getting the alignment. I'm actually curious to hear from you, you know, that. People are saying that entrepreneurship is such a lonely journey and it's so good to get someone on board and so on. And now your experience with with your co-founder there uh, showed that how important it is to actually get alignment and take time to learn to understand your goals, your philosophy, the values and the same of the co-founder. So weighing those two things, being a lonely founder and having all this load on yourself or going into a journey with someone whom you're potentially not fully aligned. What what is the kind of the least of the evils would you say?
1: Definitely being lo- long founder.
0: Okay.
1: No, a hundred percent. If if you're misaligned with somebody, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's just got, you're going to spend at least half of your energy worrying and being concerned and 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 trying to think how you can change your co-founder so they do things the way you see them. On the contrary, if you find the right people, then I would say. Have a co-founder, have a partner next to you. Mm. But if I have to choose between having a not really aligned co-founder and going mm. on your own, I would say go on your own for sure.
0: I just wanted to, to, to hear your opinion here. So there, there, there's different, did the studies. There's different
1: studies. I mean, when, when we were doing research for the book, we found these studies that show that uh, companies that are having two or three co-founders are having the highest probability of succeeding in the long run. I'm not sure how plausible these researches are how the research has been made but there's some data that shows that uh, if you have around you a couple of people one or two people to to be on the same journey with it's a lot more mm-hmm. likely you're going to endure the struggles right you have somebody to mm. to talk to you have somebody to leverage decision making with which is a big mm-hmm. thing because at some point as a lone founder decision fatigue gets real yeah. you don't have people around you to to share the burden of, uh, and the responsibility of, uh, big decisions. So, so that's, that's something that, uh, you need to keep in mind.
0: So, yeah, it, there is no like one fully right and fully wrong. Uh, but I just wanted to have this little conversation with your students so that our genius leaders can have that point of view when they are considering their choices. So go ahead with the productions. What, what was happening there? It was looking backwards.
1: It was the biggest blessing. And I, it might sound cheesy, but first of all, it's cool to make movies, Anna. I, I can't complain and say it's, you know, oh, it was horrible times. No, it's just, you're like being creative and you're like, oh, let's make this sci-fi film about this and that. And you pitch ideas to clients. It's It, it was a lot of excitement. And at the same time, it was a lot of stress. We ended up uh, landing a deal. One of our first clients, which was this huge project. For creating a series of animations for an experimental festival, we signed the deal. We signed the contracts, which means in Denmark, when you do that, it's it's a done deal, right? Uh, Nordics are very big on trust, and and when you sign a contract, it's that's it. Uh, that's how I thought, right? But uh, it ended up uh, this person was a scammer. Uh, mm-hmm. We hired we hired uh, a team. We you know, We agreed with them on the conditions. We get them to work. And the payment kept getting delayed. And we kept working on the project be- because the deadlines were really short. And at some point, uh, that lady, a lady from Argentina, she just left the country. She just left the country and, and you cou- couldn't find her. And then we started kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And it turned out that she didn't pay the people that she was uh, renting an apartment. From. There was a lot of people that she would uh, owe money to. But long story short, now we had a, we had a debt. We had to, not not only we we were starting a company, I had no income from anywhere, but now we have a Mm. pretty big debt for starting company and combined with me and my co-founder, not really being on the same page, not not fully. Like, let's be honest, like there's, Mm. there's some things that were really good. I would learn a lot from him. We had some great moments. He was also very excited about, you know, learning and growing and, the company was called Level Up Pictures because we wanted to level up mm-hmm. the industry. So so there was a lot of things in common, but there was also many, many differences. Mm. And we didn't know them at the beginning of our journey. So now we have a depth uh, to people that we respect. Uh, and then, then you're like, where are you going? What's going on? How, how, how do you do it? And and I'm usually one of these people that is like going with, with, with my horse ahead. And uh, I'll figure it out. I, so I started working 80-hour weeks, like waking up five in the morning, doing my meditations, and then hustle, 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 co customers, reach out, organize productions, like just being all in. And the, I'll, I'll do my very best and it, it wouldn't be enough. We'll still be behind on the bills. And, and I mean, look at the story. We are out there. We're posting all these amazing videos and pictures on the social medias. People are like, these guys are crushing it, man. I mean... Look at those amazing things they do. And 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 I'm at the same time kind of going home and I'm like, what is going on? Is it supposed to be that so stressful? And and, and I mm-hmm. remember actually once a friend of mine, I was just smashed after production and, and again some client, you know, payments were delayed or something. And I'm like, Oh man, I, when is that gonna stop? And he's like, dude, this is the price you pay to be able to live your dream full time. And, and it really it really stuck with me. I'm like I just didn't know. I'm not coming from a family of entrepreneurs. You no, know, my mom and dad—they right. grew up in in communistic times, you know—and they they're amazing. They've been super supportive. They, they still are, but but they don't have this background. I, I'm the first generation entrepreneur, right? Like I gotta I gotta learn the lessons with a lot of pain, you know. So it's been pain that that really has driven me afterwards. I, I stayed in this in this journey for I think three and a half, maybe four years. Producing videos, uh, building the company, and um, at some point we we repaid most of the the debt we had, and it was the time for me to say, okay, I, I need to I need to do what really makes me happy, and what really I understood make me happy is to bring people together, to bring people together, and to to be one of these people, right? Like I'd go to all these Tony Robbins seminars, and and I did a coaching um, training in London, and And all these experiences, but I was afraid to be the front guy. I was afraid. Why? host events because I haven't done it before. Okay, I I can go deeper. Mm -hmm. One, I haven't done it before. Two, I felt, what if I'm not ready and what would people think? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which comes from growing up, I guess my mom. My mom was this uh, very perfectionistic figure. Amazing, you know, with all the best intentions, I learned... High standards from her and she, what she wanted to teach me was to be, to have high standards. But I guess I took it the wrong way when I was a little kid, right? Because you come home and she'll be like, Hey guys, I want you to clean the house and I'll be back and, and she'll give us feedback, right? Like on the house. But when she comes back, she'll be like, come. Okay. What is this spot here? I told you to clean the house and, and I'll take, I'll focus on the spot. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I'll, I'll keep focusing on the spot and, and it will kind of develop into perfectionism. I don't know. If that's the only reason, but, but, but I had this speaking anxiety in high school and in college. Like I, I'll, I'll be just shaking when I have to present. Now, if you look at me now, I've presented in over 35 countries, some huge mm-hmm. conferences. You can't get me off the stage. Right. But back in the time, I'll be like, ah, so I'll know everything and I couldn't present. So I guess it was a combination of all those things. And, and again, another blessing, another moment. Life is is a bunch of moments, right? I was doing coaching, like one-on-one, pure life coaching, name it whatever you want, uh, mm-hmm. with a number of clients while I was building the video production company. And um, one of my clients at the time called me once. We had a session. He's super happy, and he's like, "Stoyan, let's just let's just take five minutes. I didn't get a chance to talk to you in the last couple of months. Just what's going on? Hey, what happened with your workshop? The one about..." Life is like a movie that you wanted to put out. What a great idea, man. How did it go? I was very busy. I didn't have time. You know, I I have 17 projects now, video productions. Like I I don't have dude. You helped me to to move to another country. Like because of you being next to to my site, I found a girlfriend. I, I moved to another country. I found a job. I'm 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 really growing, but but I don't think you are. Let me give you a gift that you gave to me. I give you 30 days. And you have to you have to do your first workshop in front of a you know a group of people. You're the star, you're not a host, you're the you're the frontman. Okay? Okay. And if you don't deliver, you have to pay five hundred pounds, donate to extreme feminist organization that hates men and tells them that they are horrible people, right? Like something like that, right? And then then I hang up up the phone and I'm like, Man, I commit it. I have 30 days, like I can't, I can't not do it it's my he's my client Mm -hmm. like i need to i need to show up you know so so my talk (laughs) (laughs) Walk my talk i did i met an event on facebook back then it was big right like i invited everybody found the location i'm like okay all right 50 people sign up for the event what do i do i start practicing and and i'm I'm afraid I, i did it maybe 10 times the whole workshop in front of the mirror front of uh, some people like my friends, whatever. And then now is the day of the workshop. I'm I'm shaking. I'm afraid. But there's no going back, right? So so I show up. I get them to talk. I, I, I start speaking and all of a sudden my my anxiety lifts off. It's okay. You know, I'm, I'm still a little bit nervous, but you know what, what it is when you get on stage and it just the whole anxiety leaves. So I finish the workshop and I'm like, wow, I made it. That nice. is That is so cool. I survived, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there was a girl from Asia, Chinese girl who signed up for my workshop online. I don't know her. She came to me and she was, she gave me this look of like, you know, you changed my life kind of look. <laughs> like, like, and she's like, can, can I speak to you? I'm like, sure. She's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Thank you so much. This was, uh, I, I just so much needed to be part of such an experience. And, and she told me her story. I, I, I grew up, she said, in this environment where when we were kids, men would eat on the table and, and they will tell, what, tell us what to do and, and we have to wait for them, clean up for them, and then we can eat, but on the floor with the women and the kids. And, and, and I'm 25 years old and this is the first time in my life somebody tells me that I can make decisions for myself. Even for this workshop, I, I, I had to call my mom and my dad and ask them, here's the event, do you think I should go? And they told me to go. And when I get married, my husband's going to decide for me. But now I came to this workshop and you tell me I can be my own leader. And I can show up for myself and, and, and decide what to do with my life. And I'm still kind of shocked because I never thought that that's possible for us, for women. But when you asked me to close my eyes and visualize the story of my movie, I saw myself very clearly. I want to be a storyteller. I want to empower other women in China to show up for themselves and, and to be their own leaders. Thank you so much. And, and then she hugs me. And she doesn't let go. She just, she just holds on to me. And, and I'm, I'm staying like, like the BST idiot, Tara. I'm like, <laughs> dude. Awkward. <laughs> or what? No, but that wasn't the thing. The thing was, mm. I would procrastinate and mm. avoid doing this workshop for 18 months because I mm. thought it's about me. What do people think about me? Mm. Me, 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 me. It's not about me. It's about them. And how many of you listening right now? You're afraid to take a step because you're thinking about, what if I fail? What do people think? How do they look in the eyes of others? Nobody cares. Spoiler alert. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares about you. <laughs> yeah, they'll have a joke for a, for a minute, for a day. That's it. Nobody cares. Actually, people are super supportive. When you take a leap of faith and go after whatever you want to go after, people will support you. Even if you're not, per- not going to be perfect. No, you, mm-hmm. I mean, my workshops are not perfect now, right? After how many years and hundreds and hundreds of workshops, how would I expect it to be perfect the first time I did it? I mean, I wouldn't, but that, that was the point of no return, Anna.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was the point of no return for me. It's like, man, go on. You, you got to go on.
0: It's so important what you're saying right now, Stoyan, with that it's not about us, right? We quite often stop ourselves from fulfilling our purpose because we make it all about ourselves. And in a way, kind of when you hear it, like oh, yeah, my purpose—it's it's about me—but it's usually not. Our purpose is about doing something in this world, bringing whatever we have out outside of us, so that it becomes not about ourselves. And what a powerful message, Stone, to really emphasize that—that that it's like it's not about you. So go and fucking do it, really, because it's about the others. And you can't make it about the others if you keep it within yourself. And I want to emphasize again those little interactions, like your client coaching you back, like this Chinese girl coming over to you and providing that feedback so that you realize that it's not about you. So just again, to encourage all these conversations happening because they change the trajectory of our lives. And of course, we need to notice them, right? As the receiver, we need to somehow notice that, accept it, and make it mean something so that we can actually take it as a next step or take that as, as as power for the next step. But still, I just want to emphasize how important it is to not hold ourselves back when we want to share something like this with others, what, when they have somehow affected us in a positive way, when they opened our eyes to something, when they taught us, inspired us, and so on and so forth. And how important it is to be receptive to that when you receive it, to actually take it in and not just like, oh, no, that was nothing. No, take it in. And, and make it a few. Topic,
1: on that topic, Anna. Both of us were moderators, MCs, and speakers at the Web Summit. We actually met in person for the first time uh, last year in Lisbon, 2022 in Lisbon at the Web yeah, Summit. No, it's... Amazing conference, one of the best conferences, tech conferences uh, in the world. And um, I just posted on LinkedIn this little video because I was hosting one of the stages uh, in 2023, the Startup University stage. So, I posted a little snippet from my opening, stage opening, and it's so much connected to what you say. It, it is about what if you, every time you enter a room, you put your imaginary MVP hat, meaning your intention from every, every room you enter is to be the most valuable person in the room. Like you go to a conference and you put on the MVP hat. It's like a game. I need to gain points. So I can win the MVP contest. I, I, will, I will be the, the biggest giver of this conference or of this event, of this gathering, of this dinner. Just like you said, you know, you, you see the coffee guy and he's really making you this amazing latte. Why don't you tell the person, hey, you're such a legend, man. What a great latte. I mean, honestly, you, you feel my heart. Like This mm-hmm. is amazing, man. Thank you for putting so much work into it. You see the janitor and you're like, hey, Janitor in the gym. Like the other day, I was at the gym. I see a janitor, and she she's been so diligent. And I just went to her. I'm like, "Hey, excuse me. I just wanted to say, I'm I'm so grateful for you. Just everything is so clean and so proper, and and it's so nice to exercise here because you made it so." Mm -hmm. And she almost started crying. And she was like, "You know, a couple of days ago, my my managers were actually telling me I'm not doing enough, and I'm really putting my heart into it. Thank you so much. How how much it? I mean,
0: one moment. It does not cost us." I love it. When, when, uh, when uh, there was some particular cafes, when I have business meetings around that area, I would go there because I know that their people are really like, putting extra smile on their face. You know, It's not only about getting my coffee, but it's actually that they are, they are putting this effort into smiling. And I actually give them that feedback, like, thank you for your smile. Always makes, me, like, makes my day. And they're like, oh, thank you. And then they smile even more. And then the next customer they meet, they, 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 their smile is even bigger. It just keeps growing. And that's the thing. We, we have the power to multiply things, right? And that's the, the question. What do you choose to multiply for yourself? Do you multiply the negative things you notice around yourself? That's been me last autumn with the drivers around me. As a biker, <laughs> a <producer in> Ausland, <laughs> I'm like, at <"Aah!" laughs> the, the, the drivers because they don't notice you. So I'm very mindful of that right now. This is my goal. Like, okay, let them, let them be unattentive towards you. It's your responsibility to, to be careful around the crossings because you know that that's the case. And then I can just really like, now I'm putting effort into that. We discuss it with my husband that we're pa- paying attention to every car that actually looks around and stops for us when it's our priority to pass. So we are really like putting our effort into connect- collecting those positive stories and like just letting go of the negative ones. And that's our power, right? We can multiply and, or we are multiplying. And then the question is, do you choose to multiply the negative or the positive in your life and the life lives of the other people around you? So, Stoen, how did you get from the production? So I actually want to understand the closing of the production company okay. chapter. Was there any point of no return there or did it happen somehow in a flow naturally that that business did or you didn't continue within that business?
1: I guess the point of no return, because I was still making videos, the point of no return was this event, the, the workshop and the interaction with this Chinese lady. And after that, it was clear for me, I need to make a move. I need to fully commit to my mission to empower people, to bring people together, to be the vehicle for people, to to have a better understanding about their business and so on and so forth. So, so I, I had the intention set, but I didn't know how to do it yet. Because again, nobody knows me. People know me as the producer, as the movie guy. I only did one event. It's not like customers start knocking on the door and asking you to speak and do workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it was a it was a process. I still kept doing videos, but I had to do something else, and it was a it was a big step for me. I was a 30 years old award winning producer with a master degree, with that and that and that, you know, all the titles and everything, and. Uh, I was presented with an opportunity to get a job as a dishwasher, and a friend of mine was like, "Why don't you? I used to work there. Why don't you take a job as a dishwasher? And uh, then you can, you know, work a couple of days a week, and then work on your business. Then you can pay, pay your bills. You're not going to be worrying. You're not. You don't have to be needy in front of the customers. And I would resist for maybe two, three months. And, and at the end, I I just took it, and and it was it was tough. First of all, to accept. Mm-hmm. And this is a big step backwards, right? Like That was my understanding. Like, what do people think? Again, what do people think? But I took the job. Uh, so I would wash dishes and it's super physical. It was to ride in some hotels. they would do these big uh, parties and banquets with 1,500 people and we have two dishwashers. We have to clean up all the stuff with these big machines and sometimes up till four or five in the morning. And then the next day I have to have a client and have a one-on-one session or or lead a group workshop in a company teaching people how to be more successful mm-hmm. and I wasn't feeling I was successful as I was washing dishes trying to pay my bills and I wouldn't talk about it I would keep it hidden mm-hmm. and this same summer we did a retreat we, we, made, like, we organized a retreat similar to the one that you're doing now and I had a mastermind session and I shared with with people out of my inner circle and, and, and they, one of them started crying and they were like man this is the most inspiring thing I hear you have to talk about it and I was so afraid because it's like, what did my clients think? You know, mm-hmm. I was washing dishes and, and I'm selling you workshops. And they were like, no, 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 that's, that's amazing, man. It's, you, you gotta talk about it. And, and so I did. I started talking about it soon after, of course, I, I stopped washing dishes because I had enough income to, to afford it. But in a way, it's like, how can you get the most out of it? You know, when I was washing dishes, I don't need to talk to anybody. I, I bought these headphones and I, I got all this Audible podcast, like I'll listen to eight hours of podcasts in Audible. I'll sometimes co clients, you know, I, I'm washing dishes. Then I'll stop washing a little bit. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? How about we do a workshop? And what is this water sound? Like, no, no, nothing, nothing. I'm here in the restaurant, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, you got to do what you got to do. Um, sometimes you got to take a step back. And, and if you look into, you know, studying some. Of the most successful people, everybody has to take a step back. I mean, now, just like you, I'm, I'm running my podcast, a couple of podcasts, actually. In total, combined, I think I did over 250 interviews with uh, super successful business leaders, founders, like the founder of Reebok, the president of Starbucks, like unicorn founders, you name it. And you hear their story and you're like, of course, everybody's struggling. Everybody's trying to mm-hmm. figure it out. But these people, the most successful one, they just... They just didn't quit. They mm-hmm. just kept going. When there is a hiccups, they know that it's it's part of the journey. They're not overthinking it. They're just trying to figure out how to go there. Because when so, where an is the line? Hmm. No, go ahead.
0: when, when the
1: uh, entrepreneur? No, no. As an entrepreneur, you're, you're behind time, Anna. Right? Mm-hmm. You, you you're starting with the, <laughs> you know, with the two goals, you know, uh, difference that you need to make up for. Mm-hmm. Like you're behind time. Like this is the statistics. The different statistics, like, you know, companies are not going to survive. Only, only I think five to 10% of, of startups are going to be still on the market five years from, from, from starting the company for a number of different reasons. Okay. If it's only 5%, let's assume for five years, one out of 20 companies is going to exist. That's not a really good odd. That's not a really good probability, meaning you need to be really focused. You need to be really productive. You need to, every minute needs to be. You know, maximized to the best, so you have a chance to 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 build something.
0: That's, and here I want to be careful to emphasize that rest is also productivity, right? Another productivity, and taking care of yourself as a founder is a super important part of an investment of your time and energy into the success of your company. Just so that we don't say that we need to hustle every moment.
1: I agree, no, for mm-hmm. sure. Thank you for for expanding on that. Like mm-hmm. for me, productivity sometimes is taking three days off. Now, what is the most productive? Like productivity is about producing results. And to build a company sustainably, you need to fill in your batteries. You know, one of the letters of uh, Perform our methodology is O. From Perform is optimal energy. It's the well-being. It's mm-hmm. very important to build the habits, to take breaks. Going for a walk for half an hour could be the most productive way to spend your time in certain situations.
0: Amen. I, w- I wanted to ask you about uh, like when you, you really need to continue despite all the challenges you have on your journey drawbacks setbacks whatever right all the curveballs that life throws your way i sometimes wonder for myself am i resilient or am i just delusional so where is that line going like when you continue going is it because you're just so stubborn you're just i don't know you're coming up or you're kind of connecting the dots that are not necessarily connectable. You see the signs where they're not really <laughs> of like, you know, okay, next, next step, like the, the success or like the next growth stage is just like around the corner and just need to keep, keep going. So that is the delusion part versus being resilient and really staying in the game. Like, mm. is there anything people can ask themselves to distinguish between the two or is it just whatever story you feed mm. will grow?
1: I really think it's about the purpose. When mm-hmm. we spoke about it prior to the podcast, right? The the purpose. Why, why do you do what you do? Are you fully aligned if if you if you're 100% honest with yourself? Are you fully aligned about the bigger picture, the purpose, the mission? Why do you do what you do? If if that's the case, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm aligned with what we do, I love the people I work with, we're on the same page, we're driving together, then it's the right thing to do. You know it. And sometimes the exact product might not be the thing that is going to succeed. Maybe there is not enough market need, right? But the fact that you know everything is aligned, I'll figure it out. And I think with experience, intuition develops. The more you do things, the more you know. Okay, now it's time to stop. We tried enough. Let's you know. Let's throw in the towel because it doesn't make sense. There's this other thing that came out of us pushing, pushing, pushing. There's this other opportunity that seems like it's a lot more aligned with what we do so i would say don't be afraid to 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 quit sometimes but i mean one of the best learnings the one that i remember from my conversation with uh, joe foster the founder of uh, reebok and just to give a perspective a context for the younger listeners reebok was number one sports company in the world in the 80s ahead of nike ahead of adidas you know so 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 joe foster we had a conversation and and I asked him about uh, mentorship and giving advice and and his answer was, don't listen to too much advice, not even to me, not even for me. Believe in yourself, believe in yourself. And if you have the passion, you'll get there. And it's like, yep, that's the thing. I mean, you'll never know. Like, you'll never know. Did I do the right thing? Should we have done that? I mean, that's, I mean, no, you chose own it and go all in. And yeah, I could ask myself, should I have started this video production company? I spent three and four years. Kind of for something that failed, well, yeah. But how do you know? Maybe I met some mm. amazing people. Maybe I learned to be a better salesperson. Maybe I became more confident. Maybe you don't know how you. I mean, everything is a great experience
0: if you make it. If you make it, such.
1: Yeah, and it's the mindset. It's yeah, your mindset. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: It's so easy to be negative. You're negative by default. I, I'm. I'm doing a lot of research now for our second book, performing in times of crisis. And I was just reading this research yesterday about, um, we all know that, right? It's with negative by default because of our survival instincts. And, and I think it, it's up to, depending on the study, but between five and ten times, the, the power of a negative comment or a thought is five or ten times stronger than a positive one. Like you post a video, Anna, and there's 12 positive comments, and there's a person that is just giving you the negativity, right? Which is the one that mm-hmm. you remember. Mm-hmm. Meaning, there's so much negativity out there. So you have to double down on positivity, right? Like, or 10,000. Like <laughs> or oh, 10x, 10x. As a founder, 10X. I mean, you need to hear some good words. You need to tell yourself, hey, you've done a good job on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Start a journal, gratitude journal. These are the 10 things I achieved today, which I'm grateful about. Boom. Talk to your friends. Set up a mastermind group. Get a coach. Do you know? Get a support group around you of people that will support you, and just remind yourself how many good things are happening. You're against the odds. Give yourself some credit. It's hard, you know. Stay positive. And you wake up in the morning. I wake up in the, this morning. I woke up and it's like, uh, like grumpy, right? It's normal. But I don't want to stay there. What can you do? Go for a walk. Listen to music. Call somebody. Write in your journal. Move. Do something, right? I don't want to stay there. Because it's not productive. Get back to it. It's not productive. I want to be productive. Productive means I'm progressing. I'm, I'm, something is happening, right? I need to change my state and I need to see what can I do to solve the situation.
0: I'm writing down, waking up grumpy uh, is natural. It's your choice to, st- to stay there or not. Because that's, that's, again, what we're discussing. Everything is a choice, right? And sometimes you're one choice away from a big change in your life. And that choice can be very little, but it can lead to something big. So Stoyan, we haven't talked about the performer itself that much, but people can read about that. They can read the book. Um, I'll link, of course, so people can grab their copy. But if you very quickly introduce what does PERFORM stand for as an acronym, so that people can know, like, oh, yeah, that's something interesting I want to learn more about.
1: For sure. So PERFORM, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, is... It's been born out of necessity, first of all for me, but also from speaking to many founders from from Europe, specifically coaching many founders from Europe. Me and Mike holter who's the CEO of the largest, the leading startup acceleration program in Europe, called Startup Wise Guys, number one acceleration program in the world for 2022. So we realized there's a need of a structure around performance, culture, and leadership. Because this kind of topic are a little bit more soft in a way. It's, it's easy to do these type of things, but it's also easy not to do them. So what if we put a little bit of a structure so it's easy for a founder or a business leader to follow through and to pay attention to the areas that matter most, for you to have a team that performs sustainably well? Okay, so, so PERFORM is an acronym. P stands for Purpose and Values. E, Effective Planning. R, Roles and Responsibilities. F, Focus and Execution. O for optimal energy, second R is robust communication, and M for mental toughness. And these are seven pillars, if you may. And when we, when we work with, uh, with startups, when you work with bigger companies, the first thing we do is we do an assessment. All right, where is your core team, the management team? Let's have, a, let's have a look at your company. Let's have everybody to vote. How do you think you are doing from one to 10 as a company in each of these seven areas? Individually, anonymously first, right? And then we compare the grades. I think it's a four in effective planning. He thinks it's a nine. Interesting. Why do you think it's a four, Maria? Well, uh, because that and that, okay, cool. I didn't know that. Wow. Let's, let's talk about where there are some gaps and what can we do to address these things so we can have a company that performs sustainably well. So it's a methodology. It's very practical. As I mentioned, I interviewed over 250 super successful people, primarily from the region, but not only, uh, from the region here in, in Europe, Central Eastern Europe, and trying to get the best strategies, the best uh, tools that uh, leaders are using, mindsets, and incorporating them in, in this uh, framework. You can find many of them in the book. You can also sign up and uh, listen to my podcast, Productivity Mastery, where Anna was also a guest. and uh, Episode
0: 100 is it to remember
1: 480 <laughs> <edition>, gentlemen. <laughs> so that's easy to remember productivity mastery available on apple podcast spotify and all mm-hmm. other major platforms but you know if anybody somewhat resonated with the message of this conversation feel free to reach out on linkedin say hello uh you know check out the podcast and for sure if you haven't subscribed to this podcast genius leadership make sure you do so Anna is uh, doing a fantastic job bringing amazing people, being super mindful as a mind shift er. <laughs> so make sure to to subscribe and 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 even maybe share this episode with a friend that would benefit from it.
0: thank you stern i um before we wrap up, just a like a quick question about the perform when in the in the company journey does it make sense to Uh, reach out to you guys to learn about the the framework and start using it. Uh, Is there a stage when it's too early? Maybe, for example, there are too few people or the company is just not mature enough for that, or when it's too late to start introducing it?
1: When? Short answer, yesterday. Uh, Meaning (laughs) meaning, uh, early stage, at the very beginning, actually, when we do workshops and Train, like usually i do boot camp uh, 2 3 day boot camp with uh, many acceleration programs and this is the very first thing they do right like mm-hmm. when when the team is early you guys are working on the idea you need to have starting, you need to start having these conversations right so 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 this is a this is a way to to get aligned about where you're going and how you want to get there this is your operational mm-hmm. system and it's going to evolve like you don't you don't do these things once it's something that you're going to get back to but it's going to save you a lot of time Later on, if you have the real conversations, if you agree upon how do you plan, how do you set goals, what are our values, who do we want to bring on board, what are our processes, how often do we communicate, what kind of meet? Like it's, a, it's an operational system, very practical. So I would say, yes, day one, uh, take the time, bring your team together and, and have a conversation about these things. And mm-hmm. as the team is growing, you might have to go deeper, but do not postpone these things and do not be like me, uh, somebody who started the company without having these conversations and mm. four years later to let it fail and, and start working as a dishwasher.
0: It's part of your journey. For, For sure. sure. Stone, I really appreciate your sharing your journey because I think that makes more, much more sense why Perform exists uh, to go through that. And there are so many lessons that I I'm taking for myself. I'm looking forward to re-listen to it. I always do it when the episodes are released because then I I am the listener here. I'm I'm really in a different role. So of course I'm learning from you while while we speak. But it's more about like about the audience, about how to connect the dots, about what to uh, what to bring next up in the conversation. And then I just listen and and take the learnings in when I, when the episode is released. So I'm really looking forward to that. I teared up a couple of times. I don't know whether you've noticed on camera whether it was seen, but uh, some parts of your journey and your story really resonated deeply with me, and I'm very, very grateful for that. And I really hope that that will be the case for our genius leaders tuning in today. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Lisbon, hopefully this year, because I'm I'm coming to uh, to MC as well. Um, so Ooh. hopefully you do as well. Then we can can have some pasty together. <laughs>
1: yes, always in for pasty Oh
0: for that. And Genius Leaders, as always, I want to thank you for being part of this community and tuning into the show. And uh, if you need that reminder today, I want to tell you that I love you and I appreciate you. And I believe that you can perform uh, in a sustainable way in your life, just growing the way you need and taking all the setbacks on the journey and making them part of your experience, making it beautiful. So talk to you next week.
1: Let's keep performing, guys.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button. Please rate, review, and share to help more people discover the show and become the better leaders. For more conversations about living in your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others, and it is my honor to be a guide in overcoming everything.